Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips, and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge, and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Hello, thanks for joining me and welcome back to the CPI podcast. Today we're going to talk about how to keep up with and outwit your competition. In other words, how to keep acquiring and retaining customers. This is not about buying buildings, this is about operating them. And it's for both commercial property investors and more general business sectors too. Now, if you know me at all, I'm sure you know that attacking competitors is not really my style. I do believe there are ways to coexist and even benefit from having competition in your market. Let's just share some examples. So health and well-being businesses. We have quite a lot of those in our locations and they really benefit from being close to each other. Or something else you might be familiar with. How often are all the estate agents in your local town in one road? They congregate together. Or what about hairdressers? Often those are together. We can often coexist and benefit from being in one location. That is essentially how town centres and shopping centres work. It makes it more convenient for the customer. And it's the same more closer to home, for instance, with central business districts, CBDs, where a lot of the office space is in one location. It just makes it easier for the customer. Now, before I get into that, though, I want to ask you a question. How would you like to spend a full day with myself and a group of commercial property investors talking and sharing ideas and experiences of investing in commercial property and all of that for free? Well, we have a little competition going on right now. On the 27th of this month, we have our next live face-to-face event with the CPI Network members. It's free for members and £250 a day for non-members. But to celebrate our third birthday, of the podcast that is, we're giving away three pair tickets to some lucky winners. All you have to do to have a chance of joining us is post a review of the podcast on iTunes. And many of you have already done that, so I really appreciate that. If you could mention the podcast on a social media post or channel and just tag us in. And what we'll do is announce the winners on Wednesday, the 22nd of March. So if you could do that, just give us a review, positive one, hopefully, and uh, mention the podcast on social media. Let us know about that. Tag us in so we know that you've done it. And then what we'll do is pop you in a hat and draw out some lucky winners to see whether you can join us on that day. Your reviews really help us spread the word, by the way. So a big thank you for supporting for the podcast and uh, best of luck. Right, let's get back to it. So the competition (laughs) and how to keep ahead. In terms of actual sales leads that we receive or farm or hunt, they come from about 12, 13, 14 different sources or activities that we get up to. Now, I'm afraid to say there's no silver bullet. There is no one source of leads that does better than all the others. I can't say to you, put up some great signage. That's going to do the thing for you. Depends on where you are. I can't say a website's going to be the number one thing, although often it is. But actually, there's a broader church of things here that you need to do, activities that um, and lead sources that you can target but I'm not actually going to cover all those lead sources in this episode. Sorry to disappoint. I want to talk more about tactics and tips 
rather than the lead sources or funnels. This episode is about helping you with the competition. Are your competitors eating your lunch right now or are you launching it into a ready crowded market? We could of course talk for days about marketing. Many people have huge podcasts all about marketing. So apologies up front if I've missed out some of the marketing fundamentals. This is in the context of running multi-let spaces. However, I do think a number of these work across other business sectors too, and I have used them in other businesses. So let's dive in. The first thing I want to talk about is positioning yourself as different. You need to create one, two, or three differentiating factors that are going to make a difference, that are going to help you stand out. Markets can be really busy, which can drown out your voice. But you don't need a virgin market where there are no competitors. And often that can bring its own challenges too, right? Particularly educating a market that doesn't know so much about your product or service. So wishing for a market that's totally devoid of competition might bring its own challenges. I think that you just need to differentiate yourself and articulate what makes you different so it cuts through the noise. Easier said than done, I know, but let me share some examples. It could be that you focus in on that you have a unique approach to community um, with your customers. It could be that you have a different technology offer or the quality of the space that you provide or the location, the sizes of the spaces or the contract type. Sound familiar? (laughs) That comes straight from the CPI market analyzer. It's finding out what the competition are offering and then trying to tweak what you offer so that fits into a different gap. Other things might be the opening hours that you you work, the fact that you have a member of staff on site. It surprises me how many locations don't have members of staff on site. And that can make a really big impact if your market that you're operating in doesn't have that. And it could be that it's the building history or the uniqueness of the location, which is something we often lean into. I think that some people relate to buildings and the past in different ways. So you could bring that out in your marketing and your communications about the uniqueness of your building. So those are just some of the examples, but there's loads of other things. I think the key thing is picking out something that differentiates you so that you can talk about that. It doesn't mean that you're going to attract everyone in the market, but you'll attract some people that those things matter to them. So the next thing is continuously check out what the competition is offering. How is it presented? Sometimes their offers can be quite complicated with lots of surcharges. Sometimes it can be the other way though and too inclusive. So potential customers complain they can't choose what they want and they feel they're overpaying because they're having to pay for everything. I think Nine times out of ten, you can simplify your offer to differentiate against competition. But sometimes, if that's already in your market, you may need to go for a pick and mix, where people can choose different elements of your offer to suit their requirements. The point here is, check out what they're doing, competition that is, and try and create an offer and a strategy that is not completely contrary to that, but it differentiates you. So the third thing is, Don't keep trying to sell over social media. Often see this. People do lots of posts about our great office space, something that's just coming up, our industrial units just available. And sure, you need to talk about those things. But I think it's a better tactic on social, and certainly something that's been working better for us, 
and not just in office space, is trying to draw people in. Not trying to sell and grab them, but to draw them in. And, and, and it's an interesting tactic. Some call it pool marketing. This is about the fear of missing out, about less tangible facts such as price or features and benefits. It's more subtle than that. It's about emotions. For example, if you use membership language, even though you still have private office rental agreements, if that's what you're doing, this differentiation will show your individual service levels and kind of your expectations, your setting expectations. You don't shout loud about why they should be members and not tenants, but you use it within your language, on your website, your communications, your discussions with your prospects, those site viewings and visits and those sales opportunities. It's, it's a much more subtle thing. It's creating a vibe, a space, an environment that external customers or potential customers look into and think, hmm, I'd quite like to be part of that. As I say, it's not hard sales, it's more emotions. Tricky one to get right, but I I think that if you work on that, it can really, long term, it can really benefit and draw more and more people in. So the next thing, which I have to say I really pushed back against, this is a tactic that I have to um, thank maybe Chris Maher, perhaps Marcus Sheridan for, where the suggestion was, write a blog naming your competition. Now, when I first heard that, I thought, hmm, I don't think I really want to promote my competition. Is that really going to work? On my website, writing a blog that has reference to the competition? Aren't people just going to go straight to that blog and go straight to the competition? So I fought that one for a while. But we have found, when we find, I finally said, yeah, let's do it, that actually, that can be really, really good tactic. So... On one site we did that, the first site that we did that, we wrote a blog about the top five office locations in the particular, uh, in this particular city, in this particular location. And it's actually, when we look at our analytics now, it's actually the source or the page that is driving most traffic. And of course, in that blog post, we talk about competition, we, we share some advantages, some disadvantages, and at the bottom, give the opportunity for people to book a viewing at our location. It's performed really well. So thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that one. Some of you may struggle with that one, but it does work. The next thing, the fifth I've got on my list here is never get into a bun fight. Make sure that as much as you can influence the competition, you're lifting the tie together and not letting out the water. It's not about fighting with each other and trying to knock each other back to be the winner. I'll go back to the example earlier on where I was talking about shopping centres or estate agents or health and well-being businesses. An example I've had in my own life is hotels and restaurants. And actually, it, it can be frustrating when a hotel or a restaurant or the local group of hotels and restaurants are not working together. Don't squabble and hamper each other. Build the local market together. Attract customers in together. Have a strategy where you're working on that together because it all of that lifts the tide together and helps businesses survive and thrive, not fight each other. It's something that happens in industry. Sometimes you can't avoid it, but there will be some there that will help. So 
try and build those relationships, reach out to competition. Sometimes it can be really beneficial. So that kind of leads me on to the next thing, which is stay close. Build a relationship with the competitors. It can be a very healthy thing. Firstly, you can communicate about market trends, rule customers, which is important. Sometimes there's rule customers out there. And you can offer referrals for requirements that you can't complete. So, for instance, if you're fortunate enough to have a full building, why not recommend somebody else rather than just let your potential customers find them for themselves? More importantly, you can seek to grow the overall market together and have it both ways. As I said, our restaurant, it's been interesting to see how competition has behaved. For example, constantly calling staff to try and get them to move over to their business is not really great or not taking referrals and looking after them. I mean, to me, honestly, I find it quite bizarre. But in service office markets, I've seen the complete opposite where there's been some really great collaboration, some WhatsApp groups to share leads, to share with that rogue trader might be trying to move from one location to another and upsetting the equilibrium, shall we say. So the next thing is check which channels the competition are not using. Sometimes it's tempting to see, oh, that competition is doing really, really fantastic on YouTube. I need to get on YouTube and challenge their position. Why not try to gain new customers and explore different channels? For instance, Gumtree was a great provider of leads for us at one point, but then he got copied a lot by even brokers, actually, not just competition. So it came a little bit saturated, but it was really good for us. And some other um, competitors that we have are doing really well on LinkedIn, but less so on Instagram. So we're just focusing more on Instagram. You don't need to go and compete for the same customer demographic, do you, by chasing the same social channel? Because people on LinkedIn might be different than Instagram or TikTok. And actually, if there are areas there or gaps there where the competition are not focusing, then maybe you should focus on that. That's not to say, of course, that if they're doing something that's working really well, that you shouldn't experiment with it. But equally, there may be some more lying, more lying, more low-hanging fruit in areas that they haven't actually tackled yet. And this is me thinking about you maybe coming into a market where you haven't been before and, and it's a new market for you. But sometimes, of course, you might have a, a, a mature site. It might be that you're listening to this thing. Well, I say, Jerry, we're not just starting. We've been in this market for 10 years and the competition is really starting to bite. And it might be just that some of these things you've tried before, and I'm hoping that some of these things I'm going to I'm bringing up here, they're maybe new new to you. And you just think, oh, do you know what? Maybe I'll give that a go. And one of those is just trying different social channels. So moving on to the next one, we all know about this one, is making sure that our website is totally up to date. It's dynamic and it's full of rich SEO activity. So it's not just a thing that you've built and you've plunked there and you say, right, there's my internet real estate and I'm just going to leave it alone. It constantly needs new activity on there. It's a piece of marketing real estate, by the way, that you completely own, which is really rare these days. Maximize it. It's not Facebook. It's not Instagram. It's not LinkedIn, which you could lose tomorrow or the algorithm could change. I had an experience with TripAdvisor where the algorithm overnight changed and it completely changed where your position is. So interestingly, there's been a number of people um, quite close to me recently where their Facebook accounts have been hacked and they've had to start again or their Instagram accounts have been not cancelled, but they've just stopped you using it. 
So you have to build again. So that website is really important. Just make sure that you keep updating it and you've got somebody helping you with the SEO in the background, the search engine optimization. But your website is your own and at least it should be your own. You should have it and control it yourself rather than an agency who maybe owns it. Just make sure that it is you that owns it and build that activity on there. And ultimately, the piece that you're really trying to get through all of this stuff is email addresses. It may sound prehistoric, but email addresses are really critical. Behind all of this, I am assuming, by the way, that it's a given you have a great product and service. This is a really important part of getting ahead of your competition. It's something which can really set you apart, whether in a positive way or a negative way. And it can bring in lots of referrals. Bad service is going to unravel your business. Or the price for bad service is churn and a high customer acquisition cost as you're frequently replacing leaving customers with fresh blood. And there are some in the industry that are well known for this, <laughs> where they just have, a, they struggle with good service. So they're having to constantly keep that machine going and bringing in new new blood, new blood, new blood, because they, they need to replace customers that are left. And the other impact, apart from obviously having to replace new customers, is that you don't have the opportunity to get good referrals so it's a given. You need to have a great product and a service. Now, finally, I just want to give you one other thought for future. You need to make sure you have a few ideas up your sleeve. Don't fire off every shot because there will be new competition. If you're doing things well, they will copy you and they'll copy everything that you do. So be mindful that that will happen. It's likely to happen. So you need to have the next phase ready in the wings. This is a constantly evolving thing where competition will come in, the customer dynamics will change, customer demand changes. You need to be on the front foot as much as you can. And one of those things is being aware that if you're in a good position right now, that more competition will come along. That's the natural order of business. Let me quickly summarize those. Number one, position yourself differently. You must create at least one or two differentiating factors that can make you stand out. Continuously check the competition's offer to make sure that you are cognizant of what they're doing and how you differentiate from them. Don't keep trying to sell over socials. Draw people in. Make them have that fear of missing out. Fourth thing, create a blog naming your competition. Fifth one, don't get into a bun fight. Try and raise the tide together. Stay close with that competition. Build a relationship with the competition, if you can. Check which channels they're not using and try those. The eighth thing is make sure your website is up to date and dynamic. The ninth one was, of course, it's a given that you have a great product and a service to allow you to get more referrals and to continue maintaining and retaining customers. And then the last one was, make sure you have a few ideas up your sleeve for when the inevitable competition tries to catch up with you. For me, the most important one here is differentiation. Although this podcast is called How to Outwit the Competition, it's really about understanding the competition and creating an offer you can see as your own 
whilst building a relationship with the competition to raise the tie together. Study the competition and create an offer that differs in a way that will attract certain customers. This way you can happily coexist with them, the competition that is, and you can build a bit of relationship so that you can pass referrals between that group of willing competitors within a market. Now, I appreciate in some markets, the very last people you want to be talking to are your competition because they're trying to kill your business. But I have found that often independents are a little more business savvy than the employees of large corporates. So there will be some people that you can't talk to, but there are others that will be willing and you can support each other and maybe try and help tackle some of those bigger companies who try to divide and conquer. So whatever cards you're dealt with, get some advice from some seasoned players and then play your hand. And guess what? You can do that by getting in the swim. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.